0: The grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. If you're a business owner, you know hiring quality team members is a real challenge. And a bad hire can destroy workplace culture and cost you tens of thousands of dollars to unwind. That's why we use Red Balloon. Red Balloon specializes in connecting job seekers and employers with aligned values. Without all that woke nonsense. Over 15,000 job seekers visit redballoon.org every single week, looking for businesses that won't force them To pledge allegiance to a bunch of liberal policies. Every job seeker on Red Balloon pledges to pursue excellence in their work, create success for themselves and their employers, and avoid bringing personal political agendas into the workplace. At redballoon.org, learn about the packages for entrepreneurs, small businesses, larger enterprise businesses, and even a recruiter service to help you find the right people. Finding the right people can make or break your company's future. Check out redballoon.org today. Welcome to this week's News and Review, which also happens to be our main podcast this week because there is so much news to cover. So let's start off with maybe the biggest news of the week, and it comes from the political world. Ron DeSantis announced his entrance into the presidential race as a potential GOP nominee. Now, he tried to do something totally different and strategic. He announced his candidacy on Twitter spaces. He completely went around the traditional media. And I get it. They have been horrible to him. They're not fair. And they don't report the news. They try to create a narrative around them. So he said, forget that. I'll go and reach the audience directly. So he did this. But the only problem is the platform collapsed under all of the traffic. On the one hand, how you announce your candidacy has never determined who the nominee is. On the other hand, it was horrible optics. But you can't deny the interest. 700,000 folks actually got in and contributed to the crash, but it's estimated there were several million just trying to get in at all. That's a lot of buzz, folks. A lot of interest. Now, I'm withholding judgment on DeSantis at this point, and I've had debates with other people on who is better for America, Trump or DeSantis, because in the GOP, this is essentially a two-person race. But probably there's a more important question here and that is, out of Biden, Trump, or DeSantis, who is most likely to win and who is the worst for America. In other words, I would just implore the GOP to not cannibalize our own. Let's not spend our time beating the crap out of one another. There is only one goal here, and that is to stop the madness of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which, by the way, is synonymous with Joe Biden. We must win. I'm actually going to enjoy these two. There's two stories here, and they're closely linked, and we actually go to the judicial branch to talk about them. You often hear from Chuck Schumer, the MAGA court, the Supreme Court that leans conservative. Well, that's because on some of the big social issues, the court is divided, severely divided. But did you know there's a lot more cases in which both sides of the aisle actually align? They actually agree? Well, we saw this this past week in two cases in which the Supreme Court ruled Nine to zero. That's correct. You heard that right. Nine to zero in both of them. And both of the cases had to deal directly or indirectly with big government overreach, which is an issue that is absolutely near and dear to a conservative's heart. So again, I want you to hear that. The decisions were unanimous. So let's start with the blow that SCOTUS delivered to the Biden administration on its environmental policy. The Supreme Court ruled to narrow the Fed's authority to regulate bodies of water. This effectively halted a Biden policy that just recently went into effect. So to understand this, you actually have to go back several months. On December 30th, the final working day of 2022, the EPA and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers quietly announced that they had approved the WOTUS regulation and it would be implemented in March. What does WOTUS, WOTUS, stand for? Waters of the United States. That's important, as we'll get to that in a second. After announcing it, the EPA Administrator Michael Regan said the rule safeguards our nation's waters. Okay, when I think of nation's waters, I'm thinking the Mississippi River, the Great Lakes, the Colorado River. But here, as we dive into this, I think you'll find it's a little bit more sinister. This rule opened the door for the federal government to regulate wetlands, lakes, ponds, streams, and relatively permanent waterways largely mimicking a pre-2015 environment rule that the Obama administration implemented because they wanted to curb water pollution. At least that's what they stated. But the EPA has often been used as an arm to gain control. So we'll see that here. So the regulation was a broad set interpretation, in essence, of the water sources that are required under the CWA, the Clean Waters Act. Well, industry groups, Republican lawmakers, and Congress, multiple states blasted this regulation, an example of extreme federal overreach, and demanded that it be rescinded. Well, in April, a federal judge granted a request from 24 states, almost half the states in the country, including several trade groups, to pause the implementation of this reg. The House and Senate both approved a reg rejecting the regulation. So there's a lot of pushback against this regulation from half the states in the country, all kinds of different groups. And the House and the Senate. Well, the High Court's decision was delivered by Sam Alito as he rejected the EPA's broad definition of WOTUS, again, waters of the United States. And the case centered on Michael and Chatel Sackett, their two Idaho residents. The EPA prevented them from building a home near a wetland years ago, and they used the Clean Water Act of 1972 to prohibit them from doing that build. In fact, the EPA ordered them to restore the site. So I'm guessing they did some groundwork, maybe clear some area, put a foundation in. And they said, you are going to restore that site to its original, how it originally looked. And if you don't, we're going to fine you up to $40,000 per day. Let that sink in. The EPA classified the wetlands on the Sackett's lot as waters of the United States, as WOTUS. Because, why? Because? because they were near a ditch that fed into a creek, which fed into Priest Lake, a navigable interstate lake. Well, the Sackets sued. They alleged their property was not under the jurisdiction of the waters of the United States. There's no way you could classify it as that. It was their personal property, and it did not touch any of the other water. It just happened to be near this ditch. Well, the ruling ultimately held the federal government's WOTUS definition must be restricted to a water source with continuous surface connection to major bodies of water. And if you understand the Clean Water Act, to apply to wetlands that are distinguishable from other otherwise covered waters in the United States would substantially broaden the existing statute. It would substantially broaden the navigable waters as well as the United States and adjacent wetlands. That's what Alito wrote in his opinion. Well, the ruling was obviously cheered by Republican lawmakers and groups representing landowners, and it does come months after the EPA finalized and implemented this new rule last December. Here's a few quotes from folks who weighed in on this. Today, the Supreme Court said a loud and clear warning shot to the Biden administration about its attempts to overregulate the lives of millions of Americans, said Senator Capito from West Virginia, the ranking member of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. By rejecting the significant nexus test, the court protected America's farmers, ranchers, builders, and landowners from the overreach of the Clean Water Act and ruled that President Biden's recent WOTUS rule goes way too far, Capito added. I was proud to both support the petitioners on this case last year and lead a successful effort this year in Congress to overturn this rule and am thrilled with the court's decision today, major win for individual freedom. In fact, Congressional Western Caucus Chairman Dan Newhouse who is a republican from Washington said the court ruled in favor of the constitution of american people and our freedoms and he calls on the EPA to officially rescind this regulation so i tell you all this because it's rare it's rare when you have a case where citizens farmers advocacy groups trade groups conservatives the house and the senate all agree and believe that we've that this is wrong and we need to fix it so this this Supreme Court ruling rules in favor of all of those groups. Those are all wins. The only people who lose in this are the environmentalist wackos and the federal government agency who got their hands slapped, i.e. the Biden administration. That kind of scenario doesn't happen often. So I can tell you when I read this story, I was smiling. Okay, it's kind of a long story. The second case that the Supreme Court ruled on, again, unanimously, nine to zero, actually involves a 94-year-old grandmother and her interaction with Caesar. And you'll understand what I mean when I run through this. I'm so glad you asked how you can help for free. Subscribe or follow The Grid and set your phone out for automatic downloads. You'll have immediate access to each new episode, and you'll help us appear at the top of your podcast platform search list. This makes The Grid easier for everyone to find. From all of us at the Kingdom Patriot Group, Thank you for joining us in the fight for faith and freedom by subscribing to The Grid. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of a 94-year-old Minnesota grandmother who claimed the state violated her constitutional rights when they seized her condo over an unpaid tax debt. Then they sold the property to, again, this estate, and then they kept all the sale proceeds, and here's where it's crazy, which were far above the actual debt. So this is the backstory. Geraldine Tyler owned a condo in Hennepin County, Minnesota. That condo was seized because she had 15,000 dollars in outstanding property taxes, penalties, interest and costs. Okay, first of all, Hennepin County is in Minnesota, so let that sink in. That brings a lot of clarity to this case. Minnesota' has become the bastion of crazy, left-wing, bigot government policy and overreach. But I digress. The home, anyway, that they took from Geraldine Tyler in order to pay this debt. They sold it. So that makes sense. The state acquired it, and then they sold it for $40,000. Under the state's forfeiture laws, the county kept the surplus proceeds. So she had an outstanding debt to the to the government of $15,000. They grabbed her condo. They sold it for forty. dollars Then the state kept the other $25,000. Well, she sued, and she argued this violated the Fifth Amendment's takings clause but that you can't confiscate property worth more than the debt owed by the owner. And here's what's also crazy. Lower courts ruled against her and dismissed her case. That in itself is disturbing. But the Supreme Court on Thursday unanimously sided with her and held that she brought a valid claim under the Takings Clause. And I love this quote by John Roberts. The taxpayer must render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but no more. The Takings Clause was designed to bar government from forcing some people alone to bear public burdens, which in all fairness and justice should be borne by the public as a whole. I'm not sure how that relates, but it, he continues, a taxpayer who loses a 40000 house to the state to fulfill a $15,000 tax debt has made a far greater contribution to the public than she owed. The opinion noted that Minnesota law itself recognizes in many other contexts that a property owner is entitled to the surplus in excess of their debt. So for example, if a bank forecloses on a mortgage property, state law entitles the homeowner to the surplus from the sale. And in collecting past due taxes on income or personal property, Minnesota protects the taxpayer's right to the surplus. Minnesota may not extinguish a property interest that it recognizes everywhere else to avoid paying just compensation when the state does the taking, it continued. So I I love that. It's saying, look, you've got all these other scenarios where if you take something to satisfy a debt. You have to pay back anything that you get in excess of this. So why are you going to treat this differently? This violates the takings Clause. But there's also more here. The lawyers also argue the state violated the Excessive Fine Clause of the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution, which bans the government from imposing unduly harsh fines for the crime. Now, Roberts wrote, well, because we find that Tyler um, has has a case under the Fifth Amendment, and she agrees that relief on the Takens Clause would fully remedy her harm, We don't need to decide whether she has also been a victim of the excessive fine of the Eighth Amendment. That's what Roberts wrote. But Justice Neil Gorsuch and Kentonji Brown Jackson decided they were going to express their opinion anyway. So they said they believe that that favors Tyler as well, that she would have won on those grounds also. And they said economic penalties imposed to deter willful noncompliance with the law are fines by any other name, they said, and the Constitution has something to say about them. They cannot be excessive. So, I love the outcome of this case. I can't believe the Minnesota state government thought it was okay to seize a condo and satisfy a $15,000 debt by selling it for $40,000 and then pocketing the difference. I mean, come on, people. Okay, and another story, and this is a short story, but there were 132 Democrats in the House that voted against a bill cracking down on fentanyl. And why, why would they vote against the most dangerous drug and pervasive drug that's coming across the border right now? Why? Because they cited inequities in the criminal justice system. Again, I don't know if we really need to opine on this a whole lot, but it just is this idea that no longer do we make laws or do we even administer justice by what is right or wrong, what is ethical or unethical. None of that dictates the creation and implementation and execution of our laws anymore, it doesn't seem. It's only the outcome. Who is impacted more? And if we see one people group that's impacted more by a law that's purely based on right and wrong, it does not matter. We won't do it. It it really is sickening to me. So in another story, one of Biden's top officials, it turns out when you look at their calendar, is meeting with a lot of interesting folks. Samantha Power, the U.S. Agency for International Development Administrator, you said, has repeatedly met with influential liberal foundations while serving in her role. According to 700 pages of internal entries, she met with George Soros' Open Society Foundations at least two times, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation at least five times, and held meetings with several other powerful groups like the Ford and Rockefeller Foundations. Power's intimate association with these entities just shows how the Biden administration its officials and agencies Keep close contacts with left wing outside groups. I mean, they lean on them for advice, they look for recommendations, they try to appease them. They're literally attached at the hip. And there are other liberal groups backed by millions of dollars from mega donors like Soros that also maintain close links to the administration and have boasted of executing tons of domestic policy proposals. Well, during these meetings, Power, who oversees this independent government agency, is tasked with internal development and humanitarian efforts. And she frequently met with these high-level individuals within the grant-making foundations, each of which pushes massive sums of money internationally, in addition to their expansive domestic funding of progressive causes and initiatives. You know, and I think this probably brings up a really good point. We focus so much on the election, which is super important, of Democrats, of Republicans, House and Senate and President. But in reality, It's some, what I would call the more regulatory bodies, the agencies, the executive branch inside of unelected people that are the real danger to our country. It's the folks that are ahead of these agencies. It's the district attorneys all over the country that are funded by George Soros that are using expansive prosecutorial discretion to decide who they're going to charge and indict and who they're not, all based on Racial and uh, I would say non-objective means just just totally crazy. We need to be very concerned about this and get involved. Another huge story for the week is Bud Light Part Two, and that would be Target. We saw this past week that LGBT groups and progressives were extremely frustrated with Target because Target started moving some of their Pride merchandise. To me, that's not the most disturbing story this week. It's not because. Target moved the merchandise. And it's not anything about the parents, specifically for the moms who push back. No, the most disturbing part is there are so many people defending the behavior itself. So let's dive into this a little bit. Some LGBT groups and progressives obviously express their frustration and disappointment because in some Southern locations, Target decided to move their pride displays. And there's a, a source inside of Target that has been sharing anonymously That this mostly is occurring in rural areas of the South, and that what's happening is the pride displays are being relocated and really tampered down a bit to avoid the kind of Bud Light reaction, if you will. And in fact, apparently there was an emergency meeting held with Target executives saying we've got to avoid a Bud Light situation, and it's made these moves in response to threats of some of its staff over the displays. So you know, I, I I would like to understand exactly what some of those threats are, but I want to point out that the conservatives who don't like these displays, and I'm one of them, they use the term that they've been briefly assuaged by this, but it hasn't made me happy. It hasn't made me feel any different because the display was moved. It's the display itself. But yet, look at these groups that are standing up. Dr. David Johns of the National Black Justice Coalition said it was beyond disappointing that that Target moved these because of the coming Pride Month. He said it's beyond disappointing that Target is caving to violent political extremists and betraying its commitment to the LGBTQ plus community. What's in these displays? Well, how about pride swimsuits that boast tuck-friendly construction and extra crotch coverage that, as this story goes, obviously is to accommodate male genitalia, even if they're made in an otherwise female style. Do you realize that some of these swimsuits were targeting infants and toddlers? is that really trying to express a right or is that is that an attempt at indoctrination? I'll let you decide that. So the story continues. Let's be clear. Removing items from its pride collection or hide them in the back of the store is tantamount to insisting we all go back in the closet. As the story continues, a New York-based gay rights group said that they were very disturbed by this and that they are wanting to create more equitable spaces for the LGBTQ plus community. And they continued the growing volume of anti-LGBTQIA plus legislation, especially legislation directed at demonizing the transgender people and their families as fueling the hate and violence against this community across the country. I, I love that, by the way, because when I read this legislation, most often it's, you just can't do this to kids or you can do whatever you want, but you can't force everybody else to comply with it. Yep, that's definitely, that's definitely hate speech. That's definitely violence. Other groups, I mean, I could just read through all of these, but it's just group after group saying, this is so sad, you shouldn't do it. Joy Behar, on The View, said that Target did not stand their ground. And I just find that fascinating because I think it was on The View, co-host Sunny Hostin said, we need good corporate citizens. I'm very disappointed that chain-like Target couldn't stand their ground and instead put the LGBTQ plus community in the back of the bus. And I heard that term and I went, good corporate citizens? Can you say ESG? That's all this is. We talked about this. If you have not listened to the podcast series that we did on ESG, you need to go listen to it because we talk about how this is used as a tool of control. So I'm not going to read the rest, but there's NBC weighed in, Gavin Newsom weighed in, all these people weighed in saying this is horrible. And I didn't even cover half the story, folks. Like the fact that one of the designers is an avowed and outspoken Satanist and is inviting the LGBTQ plus community into their faith? Did you know that? Well, way to go, moms, because in this past week, Target lost nine and a half billion dollars in market cap value. That's how much their stock dropped. That will give the executives attention, I hope. This is crazy. We need to push back hard like we are defending the Alamo. I know, I know, you are busy doing life and being a responsible citizen. But we need you. America needs you. You have to get involved. Go to KingdomPatriot.us and sign up for our free email alerts. That way we can keep you informed so you can inform others. That's KingdomPatriot.us. Join the fight for faith and freedom. Now, in another story, there is a university program that is linking Christians and Republicans to Nazis. Okay, it's a university program. Technically, they have free speech, but there's a little bit more to the story. The Biden administration, ah, the government's involved. The Biden administration is doling out taxpayer money through an anti-terrorist grant initiative to a university program that has explicitly lumped the Republican Party as well as Christian and conservative groups into the same category as Nazis. It says, according to documents shared with Fox News. Now, the Media Research Center is a conservative watchdog group. They obtained documents through FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, in which they found a DHS, Department of Homeland Security program that was meant to fight terrorism, is funding a group whose work has explicitly targeted the American political right. In fact, they said, this terrorism task force is engaged in an active effort to demonize and eliminate Christian, conservative. Republican organizations using federal taxpayer dollars, said Brent Bozell, the founder and president of Media Research Center. So, honestly, I thought, surely somebody's jumping to a conclusion here. This can't be real. Until I saw the pyramid. Until I saw the chart. You know the food pyramid that says, like, here on the very bottom is your foundation, and then you go up the chain? Well, they built a pyramid, and the pyramid is called the Far Right Radicalization. Want to know what's on the foundation of the pyramid? Fox News, the American Conservative Union Foundation, the Heritage Foundation, the National Rifle Association, CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, and the Republican Party. That's the foundation of the pyramid of far-right radicalization. Then you go up one level and you see Breitbart, PragerU, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's organization based on education. What's the third? And by the way, is it is it says in its this uh, the chart the um the descriptor is as you go up the smaller size of the group is proportionate to the increased level of extremism what's in the third group that's right the swastika right there and so they're right these folks at the media research center were actually absolutely right on a same pyramid of far right radicalization that you have nazis you've got a whole host of organizations that are just household names to Republicans and conservatives. I think you're seeing, folks, that electing the right people matters. It does. And we need government agencies cleaned out like a Jesus exorcism of legion into the herd of pigs. And I just keep saying this, but in, in our next crazy story, which it is, black conservatives warn that reparations are a scheme to gain votes. Problems of the moon, deliver nothing. I agree with that one. But it's the substance of, of the claim that is crazy. There's no doubt about this. Reparations is the most radical, bankrupting, victim mentality movement that I've seen in a while. Slavery? Evil? Yes. Discrimination? Evil? Yes. Reparations for something 200 years ago? Are you serious? Go ahead, California. Go ahead. Do it. Tell us how that works financially for you and if you actually improve race relations. Go for it. That's what I say. Now, This is kind of a non-story, but I know we mentioned in News and Review some time back that Justice Thomas was coming under scrutiny for potential ethics violations because he had taken a trip with a friend. As I remember the story, this friend was a friend that was documented years and years prior to ever being on the Supreme Court. But it doesn't matter. The left has gone after him. Nonetheless, Justice Roberts opined on this, and he said, Justice Thomas made no ethical violations. But yet the left has been calling for the removal of Thomas for years, usually through impeachment. That's what they want to do. Why? Because he's black, ironically, but he's also conservative. Not so ironic. He must be destroyed. You don't believe me? Just read his book, Created Equal, and you'll learn what he's gone through because he has chosen to think for himself and he's chosen to align himself with conservative values. And in crazy news, it just doesn't stop with these guys. So there's a new Biden mortgage rule that benefits you if you have lower credit scores. And yes, you did hear that correctly. The higher risk you are to borrow money, the lower credit score you have, the more you will be rewarded. This is total outcome-based thinking, which really frosts me to no end. So the left looks at the outcome and says, well, having a higher credit score is more unlikely for an LGBTQ plus or black or Hispanic or Asian. So it's discriminatory because the outcomes aren't equal. And if the outcomes aren't equal... Then instead of helping people raise their credit scores to get more advantageous interest rates, no, no, no. Why would we do that? Instead, we will punish those who have higher credit scores and who are lower risk. Yeah, that makes a whole lot more sense. And that leads us to the GOP led House pushing back. House Republicans did pass a bill through the House Financial Services Committee this week that, if enacted by Congress, would undo this rule. And people are calling this a redistribution of wealth. It totally is. It's just a socialist redistribution of wealth. It's that simple. It's an equity play by this administration. But of course, passing a bill through the House these days is really just optics because it has to get through the Senate and the president has to sign it, which we know will not happen. So another one we put in the parking lot of 2024 elections. In our final story of the day, the Surgeon General reports significant social media is harmful to our youth. Really? Shocking. Well, apparently, there was a 25 page advisory that was put out. And I'll just hit some highlights of this. But in essence, it talked about the three and a half hours that kids were on social media every day. And specifically, they were touting not necessarily Facebook, because that's considered an old person's uh, social media these days, which I guess is why I'm on it. But they were really talking about TikTok, Snapchat, some of those that are just highly, highly addictive. And they have Significant increases, for instance, like 9% increase in depression, 12% increase in uh, baseline anxiety in college ages. There are 300,000 new cases of depression. Social media is harmful, folks. It creates a false reality. And I know that I've seen, just in people I've talked to, that one of the worst things that it does is it creates comparisons. It creates comparisons to you and other folks. And you don't know their lives. You only know what they put out there for you to see. And I think that's very, very harmful, not to say anything about the horrible content that's out there. So yeah, I'm glad the Surgeon General weighed in on this. It's probably a story that didn't even need to happen, a study that needed to happen. We we know that. Okay, folks, that is enough negative news for today. How about something positive to end our podcast? So let's go to Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18. And this is what scripture says. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the, this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I think we can find great hope in that scripture. Do you feel like you're losing heart? Paul said, don't lose heart. As much as these stories tell us of the decay of our society, it is transient. It is temporary. Jesus Christ is our one and only true eternal hope. I needed that word today, and hopefully it ministered to you as well. For this week's news and review and podcast, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Red Balloon, and all the pushback they're doing against wokeness in the workplace. Go to red work today to learn how like-minded job seekers and employers can find each other. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.